This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Hi, y'all. I hope you have been trying to stay cool during this too hot summer. The ICYMI team is taking two whole weeks off to plan some bigger stuff down the road and to try and find a replacement for the irreplaceable Madison Malone Kircher. And while we're busy doing that, we wanted to share some of my Madison's favorite episodes. Today, we are logging into AO3 again to read all the young dudes. Join us as we explain how a 500,000 word Harry Potter fanfic became so popular it spawned its own fandom within a fandom within a fandom. A fandom Ouroboros, if you will. We'll also start the episode by talking about National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo for short. Without further ado, how a Harry Potter fanfic took over the internet. National Novel Writing Month has, like, a very long history on the internet. I think it was started in 1999. And the goal is basically to write 50,000 words of a new novel in a month. I didn't realize the new part. Like you have to start from scratch. You can't just tinker away at like a work in progress. I will show my ass here and admit that I failed this year on day three. Uh, If you break (laughs) down 50,000 words in a month, you basically are writing 1700 words a day. Oh my God. Well, according to the website, you go in boys and you come out men. (laughs) Participants enter the month as elementary school teachers, mechanics, or stay-at-home parents. And they leave novelist. Except for Madison. I entered as a podcast host. I'm leaving just the same, I hope. (laughs) Actually, next week we'll have a new host. In celebration of National Novel Writing Month, we've asked you all to send us the first line of your novel, and as usual, uh, the ICYMI guys delivered. First up, we have Michelle. Hi, ICYMI. This is Michelle, and this is the first line of my NaNoWriMo project. This will be my year. I can feel it. I declare while I fucking the birthday cake I picked out for myself earlier that day. Two things. One, you'll note Michelle can pronounce NaNoWriMo. Damn, I'm never going to live that down, am I? No, you're not. The other thing is I fucking a birthday cake is a, uh, I felt that. That is extremely relatable content. But Madison, how do you think this, how do you think the story is going to end? Do you really think it's going to be her year? Oh, happy ending, 100%. Oh, wow. I was thinking, no, anytime someone says it's going to be their year, it's never their fucking year. I'm thinking like (laughs) raunchy little rom-com. Darkly humorous, happy ending. 
In the end, he realizes it was you all along. Don't cry shop girl. That kind of story. Okay, maybe I'm just projecting because I said at the top of 2020 that it was going to be my year and it was not. Wow. And that happened only to you. So that must have been really hard. It was really hard for me specifically. I don't know if you understand. All right. Well, I am rooting for the birthday cake I fucker. Who else do we have? Next up, we have one from James who DM'd us on Twitter. Scott never fully appreciated the inevitability of King of Prussia's gravitational pull as a child. That's a mall, right? I have a lot of questions. Wait, what? The King of Prussia or gravitational pull? I know that gravitational pull is not a mall. I think King of Prussia is a mall. Is it? Yeah. I thought we were talking about the actual King of Prussia. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, a historical fiction novel. It's a mall in Pennsylvania. Oh my God. Wow. I want to read this even more now. James, great opener. We have questions. We need more information. Madison, who's up next? Our next submission comes from a listener whose pen name is Ivy Peregrine. Hey, ICYMI. I love your podcast. I am finishing a science fiction romance novel this month. Here is its first line. I'll fuck any interested adult with artistic talent. It's true. Thank you. I don't remember if you're allowed to be explicit on your podcast, but (laughs) happy NaNoWriMo. Ivy, thank you so fucking much. Next up, we have another DM from Skeletalexa, whose first line of their novel is, When Idony awoke, the flies were humming. This sounds like a horror novel to me. Oh, see, I was thinking, like, animated birds, beginning of Snow White, opening credits of Grease. Like, the flies are Idony's friends. Okay, I feel like if they're friends, they should pick a better bug. You know, like a, a bee, a butterfly, a caterpillar. Flies are, like, I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> our next submission comes from one of our colleagues, actually. This voice memo is from Shayna. There is nothing more depressing than Christmas lights on a 1950s craftsman in mid-January. I don't know. Mid-January? How long does Taylor Swift leave up her Christmas lights? We can leave the Christmas lights up till January. (laughs) Taylor Allison Swift said so. And our last submission is one that Madison is convinced is a joke, but I deeply want to be real. This one is from Sam, whose the first line of their novel is, On the night he was cursed, Gritty could feel the Philly air shiver on his fur. (laughs) Sam, I love it. I do not believe this was in earnest. I really hope it is. And I really hope, Sam, that you stuck through the entire month. Please send me your novel at the beginning of December. Best of luck to everyone who is still on their path to meet their goal and complete NaNoWriMo. You're a better person than me. Truly, Godspeed to every single one of y'all. And, okay, I'm gonna be honest, I've always thought maybe one day I would do National Novel Writing Month. But the thing I remember about it most is from Madison, just plug your ears. I know. Every time. It's, I remember from Tum- if it's from Tumblr, because all the fan fiction writers would take <laughs> the month off to write their novel, which meant that November was just fucking desolate on <laughs> on my dashboard. <laughs> I I am feeling a similar amount of despair right this moment. 
<laughs> One day you'll understand how much Tumblr means to me. This episode actually has nothing to do with Tumblr, much to Madison's joy and contentment, or at least not a lot to do with Tumblr, because it's me. <laughs> okay, then why are we invoking Tumblr at all, Rachel? Because way back in August, the dog days of summer, we received an email from a listener that I... I quite literally screamed at. I think I screenshot it and immediately sent it to you and was just like, Madison, this is directly from my brain. (laughs) (laughs) This is another way of saying we're bringing back red receipts. Read receipts. I said what I said, and it rhymes with said. Rhyming is not the indicator of what's right here. (laughs) Today on the show, we're going to be talking about an absolutely massive 500,000 word Harry Potter fan fiction. Yes, 500,000 words, half a million by the name of All the Young Dudes, that is currently the most popular fanfic on the fanfic website, Archive of Our Own. It has over 4 million hits as of the time of recording. And why are people so obsessed with this particular fic? Okay, as someone who is also obsessed with this particular fic, it's just, it's a really good and well-written fic. Like, that's just the baseline. But also, over the past year, it's kind of become a part of canon in the fandom like more so than jk rowling saying that dumbledore is gay like that it's more canon than that (laughs) that is retconning and not canon exactly and in the process it's managed to create a fandom of its own that spanned twitter tiktok youtube and yes tumblr I guess it is only fair that we talk about this since you did let me go full tinfoil hat Swifty last week. So don't go anywhere and we'll be right back. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back with another edition of Red Receipts. Read Receipts. I want to see the receipts. Hello, my name is Rachel. I've been a fan of the show for many months and multiple times a day. I think of a TikTok or something I want to send your way, but this is my first time writing or calling in. Uh, This is a little bit inspired by the book talk episode, and I wanted to share another part of the internet and for me, TikTok specifically, that's taken over my life in the last year. And it's a fan fiction called All the Young Dudes by Miss King Bean 89 which is on archive of our own. And I know it's grown to encompass more than just TikTok and is on Twitter and Instagram and of course Tumblr. I didn't think I'd be returning to Harry Potter fan roots and making TikToks about it as a 26 year old, especially with JKR's turfiness and general issues, but pandemics do take you to weird places. Rachel, I'm not convinced you didn't send this email yourself, not least of all because this listener's name is also Rachel. And I feel like this is the moment I need to say we have reached carrying capacity for Rachel's allowed to be affiliated with this show. (laughs) Truly pick another name, people. I'm begging. I'm also not convinced I didn't send this. Honestly, the only thing that convinced me I didn't send this was hearing her voice because that's not my voice. I literally have a, a note in my phone from April 2021 that just says, 
all the young dudes slash Miss King Me in 89 on the podcast. That's the only thing the note says. Where do we start? Let's start at the beginning. What is all the young dudes? I mean, it's a song. Even I can obviously. answer that I one. Like that's great. I'm glad you know. It's recorded by Mop the Hoople, but it was written by David Bowie. In the context of the show, it's currently the most popular fan fiction on the platform Archive of Our Own, which we've discussed in previous episodes. Currently, it has over 4.3 million hits. The next most popular fan fiction has over 2 million, so it's popular by a pretty significant degree. When did it start publishing? It first started publishing in like March 2017. There are 188 chapters. <laughs> so it is half the length of the original <laughs> original series. Follow-up question, how many adverbs are in it? If I could count that high, I wouldn't be doing this job. <laughs> <laughs> This is a dumb question, but I'm going to be the one to ask it, so no one else listening has to. This is a Harry Potter (laughs) fan fiction, correct? Yes, it is. But to be exact, it's a Marauders era fanfic, which is basically, I know you're going to ask, what is that? I was going to (laughs) say, I solemnly swear I know this answer, but would you lay it out for us just just for fun? You do know some things. But it's basically the era in the Harry Potter universe where Harry's parents attended Hogwarts. The Marauders refers specifically to Harry's father, James, Sirius Black, Raymond Slupin, and Peter Pettigrew. So are we to assume those are the young dudes? Yes, they are, in fact, all the young Great. dudes. What's next? So Marauders era fanfic is actually one of the more popular subgenres within the Harry Potter fandom. And within that subgenre, there's Wolfstar, which is the ship name for Remus Lupin and Sirius Black. Okay, Remus Lupin is a werewolf, and Siri... Oh, that's a console. Is it because he's a star? Wolf star? Did I get it? Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You nail on this. Yes. So that's the context of all the young dudes. Again, over the course of 188 chapters, this fic basically, like, charts relationship between Remus and Sirius and also, like, James and Peter and the rest of the Marauders from their very first year at Hogwarts to, like, the end of Prisoner Azkaban. For reference, that's, like the years 1971 to 1995. So it's it's a long fic, <laughs> clearly. Rachel, when did you get into Harry Potter fan fiction? Well, other Rachel made a really good point, which is that the pandemic takes you to some weird places. I read this in 2020 in, I would say, actually around the election <laughs> because I was living at home. And when you live at home for longer than three weeks, you regress into a teenager and... I actually hadn't read any Harry Potter fan fiction before that year. It wasn't really what I was into when I was a teenager. But I I kept seeing this fan fiction pop up. And I was like, I'm not reading a 500,000 word fan fiction. And then I was like, I'm going to read the first two chapters of this 500,000 word fan fiction. And then fast forward two weeks and I'm obsessed and literally skipping meetings at work to read this fan fiction. If my boss is listening to this, I'm lying right now. I'm about to ask you an impossible question. Yeah. Quickly, loosely, what is it about? It's basically a slow burn, not the podcast by Slate that you should listen to, but like a slow burn relationship between Remus and Sirius, basically told from the perspective of Remus, who is a werewolf. And so it kind of explores this interesting, like cross marginalization of Remus as a gay man in 1970s Britain and Remus as a werewolf in 
the Wizarding Society and also a lot of like class based stuff, which is a kind of dynamic that JKR hints at in her books, but this fic kind of very much plays with and explores. And the beautiful thing about fan fiction to me is that it writes people into a universe that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been there or had been given short shrift. And I think that Wolfstar, the relationship between Remus and Sirius, falls into both those categories. <laughs> because, like, JKR basically pretends queer people don't, like, don't what exist. What do you like, mean? She Dumbledore just... was gay the whole time. <laughs> Didn't you see it? Of course. Of course. And Hermione was black. <laughs> of course. J.K. Rowling also just left one of the most interesting dynamics in the fucking book completely unexplored. Like, I feel like most people don't know this, but, like, Harry's parents were, like, 20 and 21 when they died. Like, they were children fighting war, as were, like, Sirius and Lupin. And so the Marauders era fan fiction kind of explores this dynamic of losing all your friends to war and or thinking your best friend slash lover has killed them. And just tell me. That isn't right for exploration. Also, like, class and marginalization. Like, Miss King being 89 did what she needed to do. <laughs> I feel like first we should mention that uh, J.K. Rowling did not, in fact, write Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe did. Uh, because oh, yeah, you're J.K. Right. Rowling has mm-hmm. since revealed herself to be uh, a big old transphobe. And we will have none of that here on the show. Does that factor into this fic? So the fandom kind of dealt with that in a very interesting way to me in that a lot of fanfic writers after JKR's transphobe turn happened all put at the top of their fic like I do not support her like this fic exists outside that narrative and a lot of Harry Potter fanfiction is queer anyway well yeah magic is gay Sorry, hate to burst your bubble. Objectively. That's also one of the best things about fan fiction to me, which is the way that it kind of reclaims IP from the authors when the authors are shitty, which JKR is. We're going to take a brief break here so that Rachel can take a drink of water so she's prepared to say the word marauders about 17 more times. And when we come back, we're going to get into people who are just as obsessed (laughs) with this fanfic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on any Slate podcast, including this one. And most importantly, you'll be supporting the show. ICYMI would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. You'll also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like Slow Burn, Hit Parade, Mom and Dad Are Fighting, and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. It's a pretty good deal. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That's slate.com slash ICYMI plus. And we're back. 
Do you remember during our book talk episode where I explained how TikTok basically controls the New York Times bestseller chart now? I do recall. In between lots of discussions of aliens with a breeding kink, yes, you did mention something about that. I'm glad you remember that part. They don't just do this with like actual published works. They also do this with fan fictions, and it, boy, did they do it with all the young dudes. As we said in that episode, book talk, fan fiction talk, all blew up over the pandemic because everyone was home, everyone was depressed, everyone needed a bit, little bit of comfort, and so a lot of people returned to their roots, which includes fan fiction. So I would say that All the Young Dudes had its moment in like the second year of the pandemic, starting around the winter, which makes a lot of sense to me. That tracks. So walk us through the timeline. Yeah, so the fic finishes publishing in November 2018. By mid-2019, it has, like, 100,000 hits. Okay. 2021 is when shit kind of <laughs> goes... Say less. ...completely wild. <laughs> yeah. So, January 2021, it had just under a million hits. And that same month, a Twitter account is created called All the Young Dudes Bot. I feel like you've seen these bots before, right? They just, like, tweet a single line from a poet or a book or a musician... Anyway, the All the Young Dudes bot has just over 10,000 followers, which is, like, pretty good for... It's a fan fiction. (laughs) So between March of this year and November of this year, it exploded. There are now YouTube reviews of this fic. People have taken it upon themselves to read it for audiobooks. It has almost 9,000 ratings on Goodreads. And a 4.82 star review, which a lot of authors would kill for. That's unheard of. And obviously there are hundreds of posts in the Tumblr tag, which includes like some phenomenal fan art. Tell me about what's going on over on TikTok. I feel like I need to make this context clear once again. All the Young Dudes fandom is a fandom within a fandom within a fandom. It is like incredibly niche, but it's also massively popular. Like the All the Young Dudes hashtag on TikTok has 687 million views. The spinoff hashtag, All the Young Dudes TikTok, has 45 million views in and of itself. You're going to play some for us, right? Of course. So here's a pretty popular TikTok under the All the Young Dudes hashtag that I think is pretty exemplary of something that's like one of my favorite things about this fandom within a fandom within a fandom. I have a lot of favorite things about this because I love this shit. What's happening in this video is a series of clips of... Madison, you know what fan casting is? What's fan casting? I mean, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's when fans cast a movie for a book. And so... Oh, this is what I do when this, I'm drunk. Great. Yeah, you fan cast all the time. So this particular fan cast features Andrew Garfield as Remus, Ben Barnes as Sirius, Aaron Taylor Johnson as James, and Dane DeHaan as Peter. They're fan casting a fan fiction, to be clear. But what's hilarious to me is that somehow the majority of the Marauders fandom has settled on these four actors as the dream cast, which is wild because fan casting is usually extremely contentious. Madison, this has become such a thing that the fan casting has even made its way to Ben Barnes himself. Prince Caspian, please, please put some respect on his name. (laughs) I feel like he's done other things, but here's Ben Barnes responding to this. 
People always say, do you know you're serious black? And I say, I, Gary Oldman was serious. <laughs> like I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. Are there other typical TikTok trends we see for all the young dudes on TikToks that don't involve fan casting? There are a lot of hilarious memes like this one. Because after all this time, I'm still into you. I should be over all the So this video basically what's happening is this guy is looking at his immaculately organized bookshelf and on the screen reads meets all the unread books that have been sitting on my shelf for months. And so then the bass drops and the caption reads me starting to read a 500k word fanfic instead, obviously referring to all the young dudes. And he's holding his laptop and kind of dancing around his room and then eventually turns the laptop around so that it faces the camera and you can see the archive of our own page, which if you spent any time on that website is extremely recognizable because it's just kind of this HTML basic function website that I've spent a lot of time on. All right, what else you got? This is the part that I've been most excited to tell you about. There's a theory (laughs) that Taylor Swift wrote this fan fiction. Taylor Swift truly wrote King Lear in quarantine, so I would believe it, but why? I think part of it is that Miss King being 89. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, I think the the hashtag is Miss Swift Bean 89. Like that is the, the, the hashtag they're using for this conspiracy theory. What's something weird about the Harry Potter fandom that lives rent free in your head? The fact that there is a subsection dedicated to a theory that Taylor Allison Swift, a world renowned singer songwriter, wrote a novel about the Marauders that became basically law ab that era. Like she would go home after the VMAs or the Grammys or a stadium tour. I mean, as we all know, I am here for a Taylor Swift conspiracy theory, but this one might even be a uh, a bridge too far for me. So that is one of the funnier trends in the All the Young Dudes hashtag. Thank you for taking it there for me. You're welcome. And now back to what I care about. There's this trend that happened around December 2020, which is actually around when I first discovered All the Young Dudes TikTok. Like I read the fic and I was like, I clearly must search out more content for this because I'm obsessed and distraught. And every time I watch Prisoner of Azkaban, I start crying a little bit. But Around 2020, people were buying fully printed out and binded versions of this fan fiction and posting the unboxing video. Here's an example of that. It's just a song, but on the screen, this girl like holds up this beautifully binded, it kind of looks like a dissertation. Are the people who are printing out those manuscripts selling them though no they're not so Uh, basically miss king bean 89 she's not selling copies she's not making any money from this so it's literally just people spending their own money on it so it doesn't violate any copyright law which i think brings us to the wildest thing about this, there's a lot of wild things, which is this fan fiction is so fucking popular. It's spawned a fandom bigger than some completely original content. Netflix would pay for this kind of engagement, but there's literally no way for Ms. King Bean 
89 to in any way profit from it without potentially running afoul of a lawsuit with JKR. I kind of love that. I mean, same. Like, there's no financial incentive here. So the popularity is entirely organic and grassroots in a way that I think there, I mean, I feel like every single time we have an episode about something that's going viral, it comes back to capitalism. And this doesn't because there's no way to make money from it. I do have one last question. So no one knows who Ms. King Bean 89 is. Is this like an Elena Ferrante situation where people actually know or do people really not know who this writer is? People really don't know who she is. Like someone obviously knows who she is because someone's getting in contact to translate all the young dudes into like 19 languages at this point. But she has not come out publicly. She hasn't really answered a lot of questions beyond saying, yes, you can print out the book. No, don't repost this to another fucking fan fiction site. My honestly one goal in life, you know how you want to find that grape smashing lady from that local Ugh. news segment? Ow, ow, ow. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's me with Miss King Bean 89. So if you are listening to this, A, I love you. B, please, please, please email me. <laughs> Right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so subscribe. We're free. Well, we might be busy, but the show's free. And the best way to make sure you never miss an episode is to subscribe. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Tell your fanfic friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. You can also drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Jasmine Ellis. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We are edited by Forrest Wickman and Legra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcast. And a special shout out to Amber Smith. See you online. Or on the Marauder's Map. Also, I would just like to say I love every single one of the Rachels listening to this podcast, but I am the supreme Rachel. I don't think they'd argue. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. 
but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 